From Impact Alpha, this is Returns on Investment, a show about impact investing. I'm Brian Walsh, head of impact for the fintech company Liquinet, coming to you live on tape from New York City. Also in New York is Imogen Rose Smith, an investment fellow with the University of California. And joining us from Impact Alpha's global headquarters in the San Francisco Bay Area is David Bank, editor and CEO of Impact Alpha. Hello, Imogen. Hi, David. Hi, Brian. Hey, you guys. <laughs> Hi, David. On today's show, we're talking about the Impact Alpha. Yes, that's the name of this here very media company, but it's also the name of a new report making the case that a social environmental focus on investment management can, in fact, boost financial returns. That you can have your impact cake and eat it too. This new report is called the Alpha in Impact, and it identifies 10 drivers of Impact Alpha. These are the ways in which operating with an impact objective adds financial value for fund managers, their investors, and the companies in which they invest. It's a newly assertive stance for a growing group of fund managers. Is impact investing shaking off its philanthropic roots? And is this a good thing? David, your ears must have been buzzing with all the talk of Impact Alpha after this report came out. What is going on? Well, Impact Alpha, as you say, it's all over this this report. And as we've had in the past, we might have to suspend our drinking game for this podcast because otherwise it's going to be ding, ding, ding the entire time and we'll all be quite tipsy uh, if we took a, a sip every time uh, the, the phrase Impact Alpha got used. But basically what happened is the this group of fund managers that you mentioned, specifically a, a network called the Impact Capital Managers, came together and in effect have been rebranding, I guess, or at least reframing what they do. So they had previously called themselves market rate investors. And that was to distinguish themselves from, as you said, the philanthropic types who were, in a sense, willing or happy in some ways, or actually intentional about getting below market returns because they were getting impact. So it was a, in that case, impact is a better form of philanthropy. You're seeding market solutions and you're setting ventures on the road to self sustainability, but it's still originally philanthropic. Now, these guys are saying, we're fund managers. We're trying to make as much money as we can. And we happen to think we're going to do that by pursuing impact objectives. And so they had called themselves market rate, but that's kind of a, that's not a very appealing brand. That's like market rate. We're all average or something. They don't want to be average. Everybody wants, everybody in private equity, you know, Imogen will tell us, everybody wants to be in the upper quartile. So now they're saying, ah, there's some actual alpha, there's that hidden advantage, there's that thing we know that the market doesn't know yet, there's alpha in impact. And so they put together this report, the consultancy Tideline did a kind of scan of the landscape, you know, interviewed the dozen or so funds and then looked at about 30 deals and kind of parsed out, as you, as you mentioned, the, the drivers of impact alpha. So Imogen, you are our resident lovable curmudgeon. And uh, now's the part of the show that we usually turn to you for the skepticism about this kind of new report. So uh, what, what, do you, what do you see in this report? Do you really think that impact can be a driver and not just a drag on financial returns? I do think that impact can be a driver and not just a drag of financial returns. Um, and I was actually I'm very excited that Tideline was doing this report because I think that you know, this is what we need to be talking about. We we need to be talking about impact as a source of alpha and a source of return. Um, and you know, I think it's it's worth taking the time to go through how do they think this report? How do they think that impact is a driver of returns? And really, it breaks down to the fact that they think you're going to have access to better deals create more values 
and have better outcomes from doing this, right? So the idea is that, you know, you're going to have a network of you and all your impact investor buddies, and that will result in unique deal flow, right? Which is kind of the ball game when it comes to particularly private equity investing or any kind of private markets investing. And that you are going to be able to have special insights in terms of managing those investments. And as a result, and in terms of like sort of the partners that you can exit with, that's going to lead to better results. I think that, you know, I think it's kind of a shame it's taken the impact community so long to get to this point, right? Like to me, you know, this seems pretty obvious, right? I think. Well, why do you think we called it Impact Alpha? (laughs) Okay, so everyone is just now catching up to you, right? You said that. You said that. (laughs) (laughs) David Bank, trend setter. I, I mean, I mean, they, they did pick out 29 deals, and and they did a a good job of of parsing them out of what the what the you know who the players were and what the what the impact alpha was. Um, but we've done hundreds of deals or thousands of deals over the course of time, and each one has you know some version or some concentration, shall we say, of one of one or more of these elements. So, at some level, they're just creating a taxonomy about what folks are doing but that taxonomy is very helpful because then you can say oh we're we're pulling that lever right we or 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 that deal pulls this lever or ticks that box right oh it's a it's a new market that we didn't know existed you know that's the classic example that they're using in the in the report that we've written about uh, around maven which is this network of hair uh products for african-american women run by uh, mostly African American stylists in, in in neighborhoods, and it was a marketplace that, frankly, I bet most Silicon Valley investors, you know, didn't know anything about. Impact America Fund made a first small investment. They helped bring in Andreessen Horowitz, one of the big, one of the big firms, um, and now it's it's you know it's it's off to the races. They just got a another I think twenty million dollar investment from something called Essence Ventures, which is a an investor called Richelieu Dennis, who's who's investing in 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 exactly this you know under underserved marketplace of African-American and other founders and, and, and customers. So there, there, there are, you know, investment insights that are available if you look through a sort of more inclusive or more, you know, um, uh, uh, diverse kind of lens. Yeah, I mean, though, is that, you know, is, is what they're talking about truly an investment insight or is it really what you were just talking about, which is that you're tapping a different market, right? And I think diversity is an incredibly important thing, right? And I think this idea of bringing a different lens, identifying identifying different opportunities, you, you move beyond sort of the overcrowded trade and instead move into to different terrain, as opposed to, I think, what historically has tended to happen if for some impact investments, and frankly still does, is that, you know, you're getting the, the shitty picked over deals that no one else wanted and everyone thinks that you'll take them because there's some kind of impact thesis to them. That's the danger, right? That's the danger. But the opportunity is there as well. So, so to that extent, I think this is, you know, you know, a, a more to to sort of uh, Brian's point in the intro. It, it is a more and more confident and more assertive impact marketplace. What this report didn't do, which is what I thought it was going to do, and I'm disappointed that it didn't is talk more about sort of the investment and market landscape, right? So to me, this kind of stuff is like necessary, but not sufficient, right? Like we have good deal flow. We have, you know, engaged employees. We have aligned investors. We have good measurement, right? Like that's kind of called doing a good job. 
and you know that also comes at a cost so i think you also if you're going to talk about alpha you need to talk about the cost of impact and the additional work that comes with impact that has to be paid for some way that is a, a good point and also the the other pushback is the obvious one which is you know yes it's possible to find deals where there is alpha and impact but that does not mean anywhere that you could have impact there's necessarily alpha right because you know you and if you look at the deals that they've they've identified here and and frankly you know many of the deals that are coming through you know they don't go down to the poorest of the poor to as a target market there's a big push on over the last few years actually to hit a more of a middle market an, an emerging middle class you know especially in the in the developing world but but also in the United States so for example there is a trade off you know which everybody wants to get beyond trade offs as they say but there is a trade off in terms of where you point your target market and 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 how much how much money they have to spend what their incomes are right but to be clear to the and to be fair to the report is you know they, they and the impact capital managers are north american fund managers right so they they make very clear that we're not talking about people investing in developing countries emerging markets uh, that these are uh, north american fund managers and they also make very clear that there's a big tent to impact investing and in that they are talking about those that are pursuing the impact alpha but they make clear that uh, as part of impact investing, there is a need for those who are uh, looking to identify and focus on impact objectives beyond financial performance and the need for those kinds of uh, capital providers and allocators and, and investors to go to markets and reach customers and uh, you know fund businesses that don't have an outperformance opportunity. Right, so it, it's not saying that this is the only way to do impact investing, but they're saying that there are ways to be doing uh, alpha generating impact investing. Not to be churlish, even though I will be. Like you know, to, to your point of like this is North America. I mean, the, the the David's point exists in North America, right? I mean, the the sort of deeper poverty problems that need to be reached exist in North America, and they they are more challenged, and so you're effectively taking on much more risk, not necessarily for you know, market and above market rate returns. Yes. No, I think that's true. And, 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 and also, I do think that, first of all, this not every example in this report, or certainly any example of Impact Alpha, is only North America. So there is an example of Zola Electric, um, which was formerly called Off-Grid Electric. Um, and the investor there that's part of this group, this Impact Capital Managers, is DBL partners and listeners will remember Nancy Fund. We had a podcast with her and and they brought a lot of the know-how of, you know, Solar City and other investments they'd made in North America to Tanzania and and, and, and Africa and are, you know, tapping a, an impact alpha thesis there, a new market, you know, there, there is an emerging middle class, there is a demand for electricity, the grid is is obviously not going to get to remote villages, you can, you know, have a, an economic proposition. That's a classic impact alpha proposition in my mind, that there's a, a, a new technology solution, cost curves running down, you can now do things you couldn't, you couldn't formally do, and there's a huge marketplace there. So it's not just, I don't think it's just a North America thing. Yeah, well, so I think that's fair. Uh, but I think Imogen, you know, back in March of 2018, the Global Impact Investing Network, the GIN, they produced what they called the Roadmap for the Future of Impact Investing. It's a big report that they launched. And they had six categories of actions that they identified to help reshape financial markets to be more financially inclusive and environmentally sustaining. And one of the, uh, the first categories of action they said was necessary is to strengthen the identity of impact investing by establishing clear principles and standards for practice. And so in many ways, the, this report is 
this most most recent report, the the Impact Alpha, is trying to kind of strengthen the identity of those who are trying to achieve outperformance in impact investing. And so, Imogen, do you see that 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 work is first of all necessary, and is this report a step in the right direction towards strengthening that identity, or if not, what further work needs to be done? Um. Yeah, I mean, look, I think it's necessary. I think it's a step in the right direction. It's not the kind of stuff that gets me excited, right? I think that you're saying a, you're saying a whole report that uses the phrase "impact alpha" sixty one times it doesn't get you excited. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I understand that you're crushed. Well, and, and no, also I let's let's just also set aside the fact that no uh, no white paper has ever gotten me excited. I'm just gonna you know kind of display my bias right there. Uh, the bar is low. But... <laughs> you're just not reading the right white papers, Brian. <laughs> Fair. Um, you know, I th- I think. Yes, that this whole sort of marketing and pontification around an impact, I get that it's important, but I'm kind of of the school we should just call it investing and get on with it. And where, you know, where I think this report misses an opportunity or where I think the bigger and more important step is, is what are the macroeconomic trends out there that can result in above market investment returns, right? So to me, that's where the true drivers of alpha are. They're in saying stuff like, you know, I know a billion dollar, a billion people lack access to power in the world. If we can tap into that, there's a huge opportunity. And this is how we're going to do it at above market rates, right? That, yeah, you, know, yeah. urban, you know, we know that, you know, people are moving into urban centers at a greater rate. How can we tap into that trend and make money? It doesn't. It doesn't do any of that, and so there's a sense to me of like you know. It doesn't. You mean the, this report doesn't do any of that? Yeah, and, and I mean, and it's not trying to, right? But right. to me, that it, you know, there's still a sense of when is impact going to get out of the kiddie pool and dive into the swimming pool? I think that's right, but I do think this. I think it's right, and this report, you know, is a step in 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 that direction. And frankly, what this is is really making impact safe for what you know, the world calls mainstream, we sometimes call legacy investors. And just as a case in point, you know, TPG, which is in, in this impact capital managers group and, and some of their deals are in this, this report, you know, they have the rise fund, they they raised 2 billion. Now they're out to raising $3.5 billion impact fund, which is, you know, several multiples higher than anything that's been raised. Uh, KKR, actually, we just just came out with the first deal of what they're calling their global impact fund. They haven't actually raised the fund, which they're targeting at a billion, but they did do a deal with a with an outfit in Singapore that does energy efficiency in big buildings and whatnot. So the the big boys, so to speak, of private equity are coming in and you gotta believe, and you know this better than me, Imogen, that they're not looking for sub market returns. They're looking for outperformance. So th- a lot of this is, as you say, Brian, a branding exercise or a framing exercise that says an identity it, exercise. Yeah. An identity exercise which says, you know, jump in, the water's fine. But don't you think that like the the, the big boys are like private equity aren't getting proprietary deal flow through hanging out with their special impact buddies, right? They're getting proprietary deal flow through the networks that they currently have. And oftentimes, you know, the criticism in part is they're either just taking that and branding an impact and, or again, taking shitty investments that they wouldn't have done in their main fund and calling it an impact fund because they assume impact investors won't care as much. No, I think that, I think, I think to your original point, Imogen, about better deal flow, I think that in fact, one of the reasons why they want 
uh, an impact branded thing. Obviously, they want better access to high net worth individuals who are, and, and institutions who want to invest in that. That's the first order. But the second order is better deal flow and new networks. And, you know, so TPG teamed up with Elevar, which was a, you know, an, a legit emerging market investor because they had deals and they do co-investment with with Elevar. You know, KKR is working with folks that, that bring them different deals than they had previously had access to. And then they also have access to different deals than they would have even looked at because, you know, as everybody knows, the original private equity play was by a company, you know, restructure it, strip off the parts, lay everybody off. That's the legacy that they're trying to shed. The new private equity play is buy a company, you know, get it all, you know, spiffed up with good environmental and social governance practices and, you know, raise the value and, and command a premium price, whatever the impact alpha is, and then it's more valuable. So, you know, just shifting the way they actually think about deal making is, you know, is a huge advance. Yeah. And I, I mean, I agree with you. And I, but I also think that, that some of this stuff is theoretically a good idea, but we still have a long way to go in practice. So for example, on deal flow, it totally makes sense that let's say you're not for profit partners could be you know, working in emerging market countries should be able to help identify and source deal flow. And, and there have been interesting examples where people have trained programming people to do that, but it's very tricky to do and it requires a, a, a complete change in mindset. So oftentimes it doesn't work and it would actually be interestingly the idea of sort of unlocking different types of capital, right? You have the pu public and philanthropic capital that maybe wants a different returns perspective, like those kind of capital stacks, again, theoretically a really good idea, historically much harder to execute on. I think that's, I think that's right. But that, and actually, that's one of the impact alphas in this list of 10, which was that you do have access to philanthropic or public capital that could be a loan guarantee or a, a, a currency guarantee or a first loss guarantee of some sort. And that's from a funder who is doing a trade-off and looking for the impact. But from your point of view, the impact alpha investor, that's a subsidy to your return. So it's actually, it's actually don't, you don't want to disparage those below market investors. You want to partner with them because they're taking lower returns and you're getting higher returns. But what I'm saying is, is what often kind of happens is they become the tail that wags the dog, right? So for example, Who, who's if, the they in that sentence? Who's the, who's the tail the, and who's the, below the dog? Market, the below market returns is the tail and the for-profit investor is the dog. Um, now how how is that how is that the case? How how do, you, how do you mean that the below market do you mean is is wagging? Uh, I mean the, the, that that if the below market capital dictates what because if the programming agenda dictates what the investment is because of their non financial agenda, then that can have a knock on effect to the ability of the for profit investors to make the amount of money that they need to make to fulfill their portfolio. Got it. So, exactly. All right, so I want, I want to hit on this. I want to hit on that point there. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I think that what, what you're articulating is one of the viewpoints and perspectives that this report is trying to overcome is yeah. the framing that you're uh, providing here is that there is a trade-off and that there necessarily has to be a trade-off, and that somewhere someone's, you know, doing this impact is is raising costs, or they have to, you know, or, or it's it's uh, hurting returns in some way, or they're taking on there's some hidden risk that they're not accounting for. And what this report is trying to say that these ten drivers 
uh, you know, cross three broad areas, it's accessing opportunities, creating value, and strengthening outcomes, that uh, these 10 drivers are, uh, are trying to go beyond trade-offs. And it's, it's not about, uh, oh, because there is some blended finance in here or philanthropic capital in here, that we're going to be beholden to uh, the, the, those, uh, those, those intentions and those ideas. Uh, but instead, it's saying, no, 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 no. There is impact baked into the financial performance of these investments. But what I'm saying is, is, yes, theoretically, that's great. But we also know in practice, historically, it hasn't always worked that way. So no, no, to me, yeah, but the, I don't I don't know. I, I, I disagree with that. And I think I think that's one of the things I, mean, I, I think you'd have to back that up with some examples and in, in, in evidence, because I don't think that historically uh, it, it you can say that. I'll give you, uh, I'll give you an example. Right. So there's a actually I probably shouldn't you give me that example because I'm not sure if I can. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, oh. broadly speaking, there's a fund that's being worked and developed right now. And it's a really interesting market sector, right? So let's pretend it's education, because it's not. So you're like, oh, great, you know, emerging markets education sounds fascinating. How does it work? I'd be interested in that. But then it turns out that, yes, it's emerging market education, but it's only emerging market education in Africa, because that's where the capital that's funding the deal comes from, which is much harder to get a mainstream investor interested in just because of the risk profile that's associated with Africa. So maybe the returns are great, but the risk is going to be so high that it's going to put investors off. But but I think what this report is trying to articulate is that there is a category of investor that is recategorizing risk and maybe repricing risk and, and, and turning that on its side and saying that, but they're going to the geographies and they're going to the sectors and they're going to the customers that, uh, that, that mainstream, uh, so, so, so-called mainstream legacy investors are overlooking and therefore that's where the greater yeah, no, opportunity I, I, what is. What I'm saying is, is I understand the theory. I understand how it should work, but the practice is much more challenging. And again, that's where it would be interesting to go deeper into these case studies and see like, Okay, here's three examples of where it did work. Here's three examples of where it kind of worked, and here's, here's three examples of where it didn't work, and here's why. That's no different than any invest. You know, that's no different than any investment thing. I bet on this currency because I thought that this was going to happen, but then something else happened. And so, the point is not does it always work? Of course, nothing always works. The point is, is there a conceptual framing that allows people to make a coherent case for why they are impact investors, why they have in fact put that front and center of their whole, not just their fundraising, but their whole investment thesis, and that they become the anchors of that approach when, as you say, Imogen, the you know, the, the, the rubber meets the road some places where then, then there might be pressures to go a different direction, a different target market, a different geography, a different, you know, business model, what have you, different pricing structure. Then there's at least these impact investors who say, no, we got in it because we actually see the advantage of this impact thesis. And so therefore we want to hold you to this impact thesis. And therefore that they, they move the market one notch, you know, towards impact. This doesn't, I don't get that out of this report, right? What I get is an impact fund can be at least as good, if not a better mousetrap. But what I don't get is what are the economic, what is your impact investment thesis, right? This doesn't have a thesis. It just tells me that these managers have a mousetrap that is a better mousetrap. 
Well, each of the right. managers has their own thesis, right? And, and, and they, they, they've articulated them based on what their uh, track record is, what their team's experience is, what their uh, you know, connection to networks right. are. Uh, and, and that's... So perhaps, it's, it's what not you need, so, perhaps what you need is a, is, is, a, is a daily news publication that would cover this on an ongoing basis and try to keep track of the original intentions and then the, you know, as best they can find out the ultimate performance and then over time com come up with a, a set of, of articles and, and, and data points that might prove or disprove the thesis. Wait a minute, David, what would you call that daily news uh, publication? You, you mean one that actually had this thesis around that there might be, be advantages to impact? Why don't we call it Impact Alpha? <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. We're Have all drunk. drunk. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Imogen, concluding thoughts. I think we need to talk more about returns and actual returns and return expectations in order to really start understanding what we have here. We need to talk numbers because without that, it's all abstract. Okay. We will return to returns on another episode of returns on investment. David, final thoughts. Uh, I will say that there is a the, the next stage of this, the next turn of the screw on this debate will be, you know, along the lines of the whole winners take all debate. And when, like, shouldn't people actually be willing to give up something like do you actually need to make these these outsized returns or is there is there a different way to do investment altogether? That's a much more profound question that we should get back to. Indeed, that is quite the profound question. And we'll uh, save that for another day because that's going to do it for this episode of Returns on Investment. Thanks to David Bank and Imogen Rose-Smith. Good to talk to you with you guys both today. Hey, thank you, Brian. Thank you, Imogen. <laughs> thank you. And special thanks, as always, to our technical producer, Isaac Silk. Thanks, Isaac. This podcast has been a production of Impact Alpha, providing news and insights for those working to build an inclusive and prosperous future. Find us at impactalpha.com and on Twitter, at impactalpha. If you like this podcast, consider telling just two other people about it. You can also leave a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find the show. If you don't like the podcast, maybe keep it to yourself. Kidding. We love your feedback. Drop us an email at editor at impactalpha.com. From New York, I'm Brian Walsh. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you in some sense of the word next time.